welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Hey, everyone, this is Chris, and welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to help you be active participants in your daughter's lives, helping them to be strong, independent women. Today, I'm really excited to be able to reconnect with a friend of mine that is also talking a lot about having daughters himself, and he is known online as the Everyday Girl Dad, but I know him as Mike Reynolds, and I ho- and by the end of today, you're going to know him by Mike Reynolds as well. So, Mike, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you very much for having me on. It has indeed been quite some time since we last definitely saw each other in person, so... You know, for those of you that don't know Mike, Mike does a ton in, in really just being really open with with people on on being vulnerable, but also being open with your kids. And we're going to talk about openness with your kids today because that's really important, especially with all the things that we're going through um, in regards to mental health, in regards to just daily stuff. Mike is a guy that I've known f- for many years in writing about fatherhood, but we also have been able to break bread and be able to be together in many different ways at the Dad 2.0 Summit, which is a, a conference that is a great one for people that are out there trying to have their voice heard and use their voice for good in many ways to be able to work to bring the voice of fathers forward. So, Mike, one of the things that I love to do when I start these shows every time is to delve deeper into you as a dad. So, first and foremost, I want to turn that clock back, and I want you to go back in time to that first moment, that first moment when you found out that you were going to be a father to a daughter. Tell me about that moment. Um, I remember my first moments of finding out I was going to be a father to anybody was I mean really I was someone who was really hesitant before having kids about holding other people's kids and everything I was really uh, nervous about my own ability I guess to to hold kids I understood the the fragility I guess or the I mean knowing how new and important everyone obviously found their own kids. I hated the idea of holding on to other people's kids and just hoped that whenever I eventually had my own kids, some like innate ability within me would kick in and I would have some, you know, parent instinct that would take over. And I remember the whole way through of, you know, finding out the sex of children and everything and going through pregnancy classes and you know, midwife appointments, being so amazed by the process of child growing and feeling that kind of love growing, I guess, and the comfort, I suppose, growing. And still, I guess, that that hope that once our baby was born, that still this feeling <laughs> would would come and still feeling that sense of, you know, discomfort and unsuredness about myself, but hoping that things would take over once we did have a kid and I was able to hold them for the first time. So, so go a little bit further. And once you did have your child, yeah. how, how now, I guess there's been many years since then, but yeah. how long did it take for you to start feeling that connection and that bond for yourself? I do remember it being as immediate as I had hoped it would be. The whole process of childbirth was a big experience as well. Again, our midwife team was really amazing during 
the childbirth process and just being involved in all that as well was a really huge experience. And I remember obviously getting to hold our kid for the first time. There wasn't any sense of hesitation. So <laughs> unbelievably, there was this feeling obviously of of love that kind of came over me at that point in time. And it was I don't even remember feeling there was no feeling of relief that what I had hoped would happen would happen, but I just, I didn't feel the same nervousness that I would have around other kids and other babies before then. And um, amazingly, I, I, I don't have the same worries around other kids anymore either. It was almost once that being able to hold kids fear went away for the first time. I now feel much more comfortable doing that. And um, I guess that kind of like, parent instinct came over and I remember it being just a really huge experience and I mean even looking back at pictures from the birth it's a really huge awesome amazing experience for me now so you know I think that there is a lot of trepidation that a lot of dads go through when they are trying to figure out for themselves what is coming forward because um, I know for me as an only child there there is no nothing for me to be able to benchmark on to be able to say you know, this is an experience. I didn't grow up around cousins that had kids or other people who had kids. And I, like you, I mean, I, I definitely was, didn't know what I was getting myself into. So, you know, I think a lot of fatherhood is that type of experience for many fun people where they have to do it to be able to then be able to learn what they need to do. Because there, while there may be books out there, there's no true manual. There's no true, true, like one right way. Yeah to be a good dad. Yeah. And and that's what I hear in what you're saying is that you have to t- you have to give yourself the ability to be able to be vulnerable with yourself. Yeah. To be able to say it's okay. I think that that was almost some of the things that I I mean I was interested in reading through books obviously to get as much information as I could but without wanting to overwhelm myself with information thinking that there is any right way to react to having a child or thinking that there is a process for um, holding your baby for the first time or to think that there was a right or wrong way to do X, Y, or Z, right? So trying to not overwhelm yourself with information, but also understanding that I didn't have even basic understanding of, of some of the things that a newborn child might experience, right? So it was trying to find the right balance of taking in information and also experiencing things and learning how to parent by experience and knowing that lived experience is such a huge part of being alive and being a human kind of thing. So Now, one of the things that I know that all of us have to deal with is we have to be able to figure out for ourselves the balance, the balance between being the engaged father, being the 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 husband being the the man of the house being the, the the worker you know all of the different hats that we have to wear how in your role as a father in your own household how have you found that balance and been able to to manage those different roles with support from everyone around me i i guess the way that we do things here is without any really defined roles at any one time i suppose i mean obviously like we 
we both work right now and we both try to do our best right with household chores and childcare. And I think the way that we've tried to navigate things throughout our relationship is to be really open in communication about areas where we find maybe a lack of balance. And I think that communication for us is really where things are the most important. So identifying really where things are hard for one another and whether that's for me at one point in time, um, my mental health is really low. So I'm finding it really difficult to work during the day. Maybe my partner is watching the kids more at that point in time, or maybe sometimes it's the reverse. So it's for us making sure that there is no you know, we set out in January that, okay, this year, what's going to happen is you watch kids from, you know, nine to one or, you know, on weekends, I take look at kids on Saturday. It's to make sure that we have constant communication. And then, you know, if it feels like uh, we're not being responsive to one another's needs and stuff, that we have discussions about those. And it's not by any means an easy thing to do because it leads to a lot of big discussions because, I mean, relationships are hard and parenting is hard and it's hard to be told that you are, you know, not doing enough in some areas. And I think it's really important in relationships to understand that someone needing support doesn't mean that you are failing. It just means that there's room for growth and everything. And that for me has been an opportunity to learn that, I can keep changing and kind of taking on new roles and that there is no one thing that I need to be doing as, you know, in a masculine role. It's all the ability to adapt and change to fit what a family need is and doing what's supportive of the people around me. And that's kind of what I've loved doing in the in the past is to not say, okay, well, I need to be doing X because I'm this person in the relationship. It's more this person needs me to be doing this to support them. So I need to learn how to do this. And that's really what we've been working on doing. Now, what would you say is one of your biggest fears of raising a daughter in today's society? Not leaving them people to talk to about fears. I think that one of my biggest things my biggest fears is that they don't feel comfortable talking to me about things. I mean, open lines of communication for me are my biggest fears. Mental health, given my own mental health and history of mental health, is for me a huge fear. I get afraid every time someone goes into their room and closes the door when they're angry. Those are the kinds of things that really worry me. I don't like Again, anytime that there is a lack of communication about things that people are worried about, I hate not being able to communicate about those worries and concerns. And I just, my biggest worry is leaving my kids feeling like they have to take on challenges on their own versus having a support system in place to be able to challenge those things, whether that's things like mental health or um, you know, personal identity questions or uh, friendship things. It's really, for me, just a matter of worrying about kids thinking they have to do things on their own and not having a support system in place to be able to 
immediately discuss those things. Now, I know that you've talked a couple of times now, you've mentioned this word and openness is is an important word for you mm-hmm. in regards to the conversations that you have with your partner, the conversations that you have with your your, your daughters, the conversations you have with yourself and yeah. being able to recognize that and, and write about that and, and be, as I said earlier, vulnerable and being open and honest about the fact that this that we do need to be open and honest yeah. in the conversations that we have. Talk to me about the, a definition first. When you're talking about openness in relationships and you're talking about this in what you're writing yeah. or what you're talking to your your partner or your kids about, what's your definition when you talk about openness? For me, it's being able to... So, and I, it, I think you'd mentioned earlier that this seems to be a good time to be able to talk about these things. I think for me, openness is the ability to be able to admit and learn and process new information, really. Uh, So it's, for me, a lot about creating spaces where people feel safe to share information and be able to change opinions safely and take in information and to be able to say, okay, I understand that my viewpoint was built on incorrect information and I'm listening to what you're sharing with me now and I can change my opinion now. So what I like to do with, I think that a lot of the times when we get in heated discussions with people is there's this really big um, me versus you kind of point of view, which obviously is extremely uncomfortable and it takes on a really adversarial tone. I don't think there's any dispute that we're maybe in a hugely adversarial point in history right now. And it's really difficult to get into discussions where we're willing to change our opinions on things. And I really want to be able to do that for myself and admit that a lot of the things that I grew up with are incorrect, probably because I grew up with a really privileged point of view and a really whitewashed point of view and without a great, you know, sexual and reproductive health education. And that a lot of times we give not enough kind of credence to people's lived experience. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we don't listen to. An open discussion for me means being more willing to listen to other people's lived experience and to be able to listen better than we talk. And I think that for me, with my kids, that's a lot of what it's about. It's more about listening than talking. And with my partners, that's a lot what it's about. It's learning to listen and to give myself space to process new information versus needing to jump in right away and try to defend my point of view just because I can feel kind of anger building inside myself saying, no, 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 don't tell me I'm wrong. You know, I've felt this way for 41 years. I can't possibly be wrong. You know, I hate feeling wrong. It's a huge kind of, I hate when people call out my character. I'm a good person. You know, this idea that I'm a good person. I can't be wrong about this. No, I'm, you know, I'm helpful. Go look at example X, Y, Z of how I am a good person. I think that we need to get rid of that and learn to be able to process new information. And for me, that's a lot of what my own personal openness is trying to be about is to do that is to process new information and learn for myself. And hopefully that kind of role modeling of 
learning is what kind of my kids learn from me and what hopefully people around me can learn. So So for someone that has not started this, they may not be good listeners at all, right? Because men are not always good listeners. Let's just be honest. Yeah. We tend to try to solve things right away and 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 that's a generalization but yeah. i think if you talk to a lot of guys that's kind of their mo yeah for to try to reprogram oneself and i'm saying mm-hmm. reprogram because i think that you do have to go through some reprogramming you, you have to kind of yeah. you know change the synapses and the way that we're thinking about things yeah. and the way that we are willing to do things to be able to get to a point to between where we are now and let's say where you are in yeah. the sense of being able to kind of set yourself at their at at your children's feet and be able to truly listen and hear what they're having to say. What are some steps? What are some of the first steps that you would recommend someone taking? And it might be the first steps that you took when you were starting to go through this for yourself. Some of the really simple things are so a really practical thing you can do in terms of when you're in actual physical discussions with people. Online ones it's a little easier to do is you can even find yourself a a sentence that you use when in discussions with people that kind of gives yourself, you know, five minutes of time to be able to process information. When in discussions, like I said, if it's on Facebook or in direct messages or on Twitter, it's it's even just saying something like, because often when we get in these discussions, it happens in seconds that you get into these heated discussions. So a lot of the times when you're looking at new information and you're kind of called out or called in with new information, your immediate response happens all immediately. So it's giving yourself, you know, five, 10 or 15 minutes to be able to say, is this a personal attack on me? Or is this someone sharing their lives with me and kind of giving me an education that they really don't need to be giving me right now? And so it's sentences just like, thank you for sharing this. And then, you know, being able to take that away versus saying, you know, I'm a good person kind of thing. You go online, you can see so much of that no, I help people all the time kind of thing. So finding ways to not try to praise yourself, but buying yourself time to kind of process what you're being told and find out why that information is being shared with you. Because you really should not be devaluing someone's shared lived experiences with you because that's really some of the greatest education someone can ever share with you. Another thing that's really important that I think people need to be doing is just taking a look at a lot of the media they consume. So whether that's movies or books or whatever, um, just take a look at how many of those are produced or written or whatever by uh, white men and just see what the breakdown is of how much you're consuming by men versus women or white people versus black people or be very mindful of exactly what being progressive or looking at varied opinions actually means. So even if you're someone who thinks they are consuming lots and amplifying voices and everything, uh, taking a bit of inventory of exactly what that actually looks like is a a pretty eye-opening experience. I've done it many times and realized that a lot of people I read were men and then even then you know trying to add more women to my reading found out you know a lot of the books that I was adding in that were written by white women and then you know so along the way you just realize these layers upon layers of things that you're just kind of adding so I think that 
I mean, taking those simple steps in discussions of giving yourself time to be able to process things that you're learning, and then also maybe just taking a look at what you're consuming and kind of getting an idea for exactly who you're getting information from all the time right now. Those are a couple of really easy first steps uh, that you can take. I love that. And I think, you know, earlier to, earlier you talked about the importance of talking about mental health with your kids and that that's helped you yep. personally, but that um, it's really something that can help all of us because by, in my mind, by verbalizing the things that you're dealing with, you're helping your children to be able to deal with those issues as well, mm -hmm. because they may not have the words or the understanding of how to express that. But talk to me about how you've had some of those conversations in regards to talking about, let's say, some of the mental health issues that you've had to deal with personally, and talking to your daughters about that, and helping them to be able to talk about mental health concerns that they might have. I mean, our kids are very familiar with therapy and medication for mental health. I a borderline personality disorder. So they, I mean, I don't think they know. I mean, I barely know exactly all the ins and outs of what that is. So they certainly don't either. But really the, the goal of what we want to do is make sure they understand that mental health discussions are as important as other physical injuries that we would talk about and just as natural as other physical things that we would talk about. And it's really kind of facilitated discussions around anxiety for them, which is super important as we get back to going back to school and as we have gone through a period where, you know, they've really missed being around friends in person. It just really helps navigate discussions around why they're feeling these things. And I mean, it doesn't mean that they don't have their own mental health things that come up. It just hopefully gives them an understanding that what they're feeling isn't wrong or isn't bad or isn't something that they can't talk about. It just, for us, hopefully removes that layer of shame that maybe some people feel around talking about mental health at a much younger age than, you know, they might otherwise have so that growing up, they don't feel worried about talking about anxiety or stress and that they're able to approach teachers and talking about those kind of things and everything. Now, one thing that you talk about and you have talked about over the years in, on Everyday Girl Dad is talking about masculinity. And I know that you, you have a, you might have a little bit of a different definition of masculinity than some people that might be listening. Talk to me about what is your definition right now of masculinity and where men need to be looking at in regards to be, being seen as masculine in today's society? Mm -hmm. I mean, my definition of masculinity is pretty open, I suppose. Uh, for me, it's just, it is incredibly individual. And I think that that's where there is such a big disconnect is that when masculinity goes wrong, it's that there are people that try to enforce masculinity on other people. And that's, I think, where the toxicity area comes into play. I think that there's a big emphasis for masculinity sometimes to be the um, aggressive format and the protective format versus and protective in, in the physical strength way. And I have met so many kind, gentle, empathetic, tender men over the last 10 years who have really helped me see how 
masculinity can be portrayed in a really protective way through making sure that their kids are able to, you know, grow up the way they want to. For me, it's really strong when a dad makes sure their son knows they can wear makeup out in public. For me, it's really strong when a dad lies down with their daughter studying science all night long, right? So for me, it's it's a lot stronger when a dad or men are helping their kids kind of break through masculinity taboos than it is, you know, trying to uphold this idea that masculinity is going to war and, you know, firing guns and stuff. So I've been so privileged to be able to see and, you know, parent alongside a lot of dads who have been the people that have been raising these really amazing, strong, gentle kids as well. And I will continue to kind of talk about that as my Again, the masculinity that I want to be able to talk more about, just because it's individual choice that I've always seen as something that's beneficial to growing and raising kids who get to be what they want to be versus who they're being forced to be. I love that because I think that just like we talked about at the beginning, that there's no one way to be a father. I think there's no one way to be a man. Right. And and all of us have to work to try to balance just like we balance our lives. We have to balance the the societal pressures as well as the other pressures around us to be able to be the best version of ourselves. And sure. and that's a continual process. I mean, it's yeah. not something that happens right away, but and it's not something that you might ever get. Sure. But it is something that all of us strive for yeah. in some aspects. And in, in in my case, I would say that I strive to hope that my my daughters find that for themselves as well, mm-hmm. you know, and in at least trying to show them that we're all a work in progress, that you don't have to be perfect, but you need to keep learning and you need to keep growing. Yeah. So, so I appreciate you sharing that because I think that everything that you've been sharing today are things that all of us can work on, can learn, can grow from to be able to be better versions of ourselves. So we've come to a point in our show where we always turn things back around and we finish our shows with what we like to call our fatherhood five, where we ask you five questions to delve deeper into you as a father. Are you ready? Ready. Okay. In one word, what is fatherhood? Love. So when was a time that you felt that you finally succeeded at being a father to a daughter? My daughter dressed up as me for Halloween one year. And I dressed up as her for Halloween one year, and that felt pretty great. That was a pretty fun moment of, you know, the combination of fun and weird that we kind of love to be sometimes. So that was a great one. Now, how would your kids describe you as a dad? Oh, that fun and weird was definitely, (laughs) I think that I used those words recently with a therapist too, actually. So fun and weird. I think that if I could hold on to that forever too, I would try very hard to to do that. And who inspires you to be a better dad? My kids certainly do. My partners certainly do. Like I said, seeing all the the people around me, I love watching I love watching people who are able to raise these super amazing strong kids who just continue to shape identity and change the way that we all look at things like gender and the way we look at you know, big things like gun rights and everything. I I just, I love watching these 
kids and the, the kids of today make me want to continue to be a, a parent who makes sure that they are supporting their kids in that kind of way. And finally, you've given a lot of advice today and you've given a lot of thoughts and things for everyone to, for people to to really chew on and to, to kind of you know, internalize for themselves. But if you were to leave with one piece of advice that you would give to others, to other fathers today, what would you give them? My favorite thing that's happened for me, so I have to imagine it could happen for other people, is to feel welcome and allow for personal growth that happens while you're teaching your kids. So as we've been raising our kids, I've learned a lot about myself and I've welcomed that kind of personal growth and identity work that's kind of come along in myself. And it's, I don't think it could have happened if I looked at parenting as strictly a teaching kind of thing. It only can happen if you look at parenting as a learning opportunity as well. So if you make sure that when you're being a parent to kids that you take the opportunity to be able to learn more about yourself as well. So whenever you're talking to your kids about things, take that opportunity to be able to learn more about yourself as well. Such great insight and advice. I really appreciate you sharing all of this today, Mike, and being vulnerable with with all with me today about the experiences that you've had. But now, if people want to find out more about you, some of the things that you're doing, maybe they want to see some of your cross stitch patterns or the 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 shirts that you've got available out there because they're really cool. Where should they go to find out more? Uh, you can find me at. Uh, everydaygirldad.com is the website. Um, Everyday Girl Dad on most social media sites as well. So Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and the like. So Everyday Girl Dad is where I'm at on all of those places. So Well, we'll put a link in the notes today. And Mike, I truly appreciate you being here and, and I wish you all the best. Thank you very much. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more. You will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen 
Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be